So that started off good, couldn't get my microphone to work. I'm technology um, deficient, so yeah. Um, welcome to Simplify, I'm so glad that you're here. It's been a rough week, I don't know about everybody else, it's just a lot going on. There's, I've had exams and been going all over the place and so I'm very glad to be here. Um, holidays are coming up, Christmas is two weeks. Parents, you got shopping done? Okay, no, good. Um, I have a solution to that, by the way that I've learned works for me. Um, I just don't buy gifts for anybody, and then I don't get behind on my Christmas shopping. So, um, parents, you're more than welcome to steal that idea. Um, you know, this is a time of joy, obviously. We have a reason to be joyful because of the birth of our Savior, and He is the very foundation of our faith. But even in this joyful time, as Connie was talking about, and I'm so glad that she did the introduction because it kind of reaffirmed this message to me. Um, even in our moments of joy, there's a lot of people who are struggling this time of year, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, what we would call depression can look like many things. It can be a, a chemical imbalance in the brain, a a medical problem and I'm not a medical professional so I can't give you the accurate information on that but that is a real thing don't let someone tell you it's not um, some of that is due to circumstances I know there are parents who want to buy gifts for their kids or for their family members and they can't do that they don't have the money or the resources to do that there's those who are sick there's those who have lost family members this time of year or they're dealing with not having family members here for the first time and that's hard and so I want us to know in our lowest points how to deal with it. I actually preached this message last year. This was the, this was the first message I ever preached, but it's so important. And I will preach this chapter of the scripture every time I preach if I have to because it is so important to know how to suffer well because it is inevitable that we will suffer. And so I'm going to be in Psalm 42, and I'm just going to read this all the way through. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls and your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And my God. I want us to notice a couple of things about this passage, but first I want to say this. What I am not trying to say 
which you will hear some people say, is that if you seek some type of medical help, whether it be therapy, counseling, medicine, for issues that you have, that is not wrong. You need to understand that. I hear people tell you that, or I hear people say that if you do that, you are not putting your faith in God. You're putting your faith in something else. And essentially what they're saying is you need to get over it. And I, I, I don't post on Facebook very much, mainly because Facebook makes me mad. But I posted on Facebook last week. I said telling someone with depression or anxiety to get, to get over it is like walking into a hospital and finding someone taking chemotherapy and telling them they need to stop having cancer. Not only is it ignorant, but it's very hurtful. So I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that while those things were created by God in order that we may be able to use them to get help, He is our hope. That's what this message is about. And so I, I want to get that out of the way first. But I want us to notice a couple of things about this passage. And I'm going to jump around a lot. So this may not be on the screen. That's okay. But I want us to notice first his conditions, this psalmist's conditions, and then his response, and then how that kind of comes together. So first, his condition, he says that his soul is thirsty for God. He says this in verses 1 and 2, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So by saying this, it's kind of an interesting dynamic because his soul, his soul is thirsty for God's presence. And if his soul is thirsty, it's not being quenched. Does that make sense? Okay. You're not thirsty. This, this is going to sound like a dumb statement. But you're not thirsty if you're not thirsty. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. That sounds dumb, but think about it. And it's interesting. He wants God's presence. He wants his thirst for God to be quenched. And look at what he goes back to. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The presence that he's searching after is the presence of God in a setting of corporate worship. I think that's really interesting. And I think that goes to show us that we cannot underestimate the importance of what is going on in a setting like this. I'm not talking about in this building or in this room. I'm talking about worshiping with other believers. We tend to take that for granted and take that lightly. That, that's not anything to take lightly. If this, what's happening right now, is nothing more than us singing songs to raise our emotions and then someone preaches a message and we gain knowledge, if that's all that is and there is no divine or supernatural element to it, it's nostalgia, which is fine. But in your lowest places in life, nostalgia is going to do nothing for you. In my lowest places in life, if I say, oh, I remember being 10, that was a fun time. What in the world is that going to do for anything? There's a divine element to what is going on right now. And that's kind of the little, the little rabbit trail I went off on. But I think, I think we take that for granted too much. The next thing, he is constantly at the point of tears. Look at this. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And then again, 
verse 9, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You ever been in this place? I've been in this. I was in this place last week, actually. I remember, I, I don't know what it was. I was just having a bad day. There was nothing in particular. But I went to open a drawer, and something was stuck, and it wasn't open. So I keep tugging on it. And finally, I get it open, and it flies open, and everything goes out of the drawer. I said words I didn't even know I knew. Because stuff fell out of a drawer. And I'm not proud of that. I'm just, I'm being honest with you. But you ever been at that place? You just stub your toe on, on a table and you are in a pool of tears. That's where he is. He also feels forgotten. Look at this verse 9 again. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And he actually says that again in the next chapter at the end of verse 2. And he says, for you are God, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? He feels forgotten. He's actually asking God, why have you forgotten me? But we'll also see in verses 3 and 10, he looks forgotten. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 10, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He looks forgotten because he's got people taunting him about it. Or his enemies, his demons, whatever this may be, they are taunting him saying, where's your God at now? People don't mock you for things that are not going on. And, and I'll give an example, okay? President Trump, right, love him, hate him, doesn't matter, I don't care. But I, people make fun of him for all different types of stuff. But I have never seen anyone ever mock him or make fun of him for being poor. You know why? Because he's not poor. So he looks forgotten enough that people who, who are maybe outside of his circle can just look at him from a very, a very base glance, from a far glance, and see that he looks abandoned. So he's got some stuff going on. That's where he is. And now I want us to see his response which is so important. And it, it's, it's intentional, and it's contrary to the way that we deal with our issues a lot of times. The first thing he does is he does not go around going, oh, I'm fine, I'm great, everything's good. He's very, very real. Look at this again, we're going back to verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. I have never walked up to somebody and said, hey, man, how's it going? And they go, oh, my tears have been my food day and night. Thanks. That's, that, that would be kind of weird. I would be uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. That's not good. I shouldn't be that way, but I would. Because I don't know. How do you respond to that? That's great. Right? Praying for you. And again, he, he says that. In verses 5 and 11, he says, Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my rock. He says that twice. So he's in turmoil. The second thing, he asks why. Now that's interesting because there's kind of a taboo on that. You're not supposed to ask why because you're doubting God and that shows lack of faith. That's a sin. But I want us to see something, and, and this is just going to be quick, so we're not going to have it up on the screen, but this is, 
This is in Matthew 27, and this is verses 45 through 46. And this is Jesus. Keep this in mind. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Elah, Elah, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus Christ asking God why he has forsaken him, knowing he hasn't. He's Jesus. If anybody knows he's not forsaken, Jesus knows. But it's interesting because he is the author of all scripture. He is the reason for all scripture. And what he's doing here is he's actually mirroring the first verse of Psalm 22. And I actually added this in last minute, so this is not going to be on the screen either, but he says in Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But what's so interesting is the end of that same chapter, the last 10 verses, verses 22 through 31. And I'm going to read this, and this is this gives me chills every time I read it and I make this connection. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all you offspring of Jacob. Glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over all the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Jesus Christ, in Matthew 27, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mirroring Psalm 22, knowing that the end of the chapter is a victory cry. I hope that gives you chills. If it doesn't, you need to like slap or pinch yourself or something. You need to wake up. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. Next, and this is what, honestly, I think to us being human, what is the most difficult thing to do because we think about it the least. The psalmist talks to himself in a very particular way. Look at this. He says in verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's saying to himself, Keep trying. I know it's not happening, but keep trying. Keep going. Find the hope. Look for the hope. Keep trying. And then he says it again in verse 11. He says in verse 7, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. 
All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. It's not the devil's waterfalls. It's not our sins, breakers. It's God's breakers and waves and waterfalls. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? That's weird. He's asking God, God, why have you forgotten me? But it says to God, my rock. It's like saying, God, who is my stability, why are you letting my feet fail? That's, that's a weird way to word that. It's a reminder even in the, in the questioning. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes a book. It's like a 250-page book on just this one chapter of the Bible, and it's on spiritual depression. And this is a quote from the book. I love it. He says, I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? You ever thought about that? Take those thoughts that come to you in the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Someone is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment towards his negative self-talk was this. Instead of allowing this self, this negative self, that's trying to bring up all this bad stuff to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. The part of him that knows the truth is talking to the emotional part of him. A lot of times I think that's the opposite. We let our emotions overtake and overcome what we know. But he does the opposite. He starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he says. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Do we do that? That's so weird to think about, but that's, that's how we have to talk to ourselves because we are, we, we are sinful in nature and therefore our emotions have been taken over because of that. And if we let our sinful emotions control the way that we think and the way that we act, it's, it's just a downward spiral from there. And the last thing that we see is that he sings the song. Now the subheading to this chapter, it says to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Now mascal is a word that was left in the original Hebrew because they're not sure exactly what it means. The verb it comes from means to direct or to instruct. So we could make probably a good educated guess that this word means that this is, this is a psalm of instruction and it's something we should follow, but we don't know that for sure. That's just a good guess. But when it says of the sons of Korah, the sons of Korah were a subgroup of the priests that were in charge of leading the congregation in singing. So what we're seeing is that this is a psalm of instruction that is meant to be sung. That's important for this reason. Have you ever noticed it becomes increasingly difficult to sing the lower you get? Singing is often identified with being something you do when you're happy, when you're upbeat, when you're feeling good, when things are going great. But it, it takes a certain emotional discipline, I guess is the right word, 
to sing when you are crushed. It is essentially laying your pride and your selfishness aside to go, I don't care where I'm at, I'm worshiping you. And so the point of this is to say this, in our time of suffering, there's nothing wrong with asking for deliverance. There's nothing wrong with trying to find answers. We see this. But that should not be our primary focus. Our primary focus should be to just say, God, I want you. If I'm never delivered from this, if I die in this place, and we see that when this psalm ends, he's not out of that place. He's still there. This does not end on a happy note. That's not accidental. The point is to say, no matter where I am, I just want you. We have to learn how to look into our current situation and find joy in Christ even amongst our suffering. Joy and suffering is presented a couple of different ways in the scripture. Sometimes it's sequential. You know, the verse talks about there may be sorrow in the night, but joy comes in the morning. But they are also talked about at the same time. Even in your sorrow, you find joy. We have to learn how to look into the situation and find joy and truth in Christ, not once we get out of it, but even in the midst of it. This holiday season, things are a lot harder for some people. But we should also be overwhelmingly reminded of where our hope is. Yes, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but the birth of Jesus is important because of the death of Jesus. If Jesus doesn't die on the cross, his birth is awesome, but what does that do for us? He's not the Savior if he doesn't die on that cross. We should celebrate but in our suffering and the suffering of those around us, we have to be reminded of the hope that we have. The heart of the psalmist in Psalm 42 can honestly be summed up in this quote. When we have little and have lost much, Christ comes and reveals himself as more valuable than all we have lost. My prayer for you, for all of us, is that in the good and the bad, our faith does not waver. That we know who Jesus is, that we know the God we worship, that we have an understanding because of this word of who he is. And we need to continue to praise. It is so important to continue to praise even when we can't feel it. Let me pray for us. <coughs> Father, thank you so much for your word. For the joy, for the instruction that it brings to us. For not only the answers it brings to us, but even when it doesn't bring us answers, the peace and the understanding 
or the, the peace that it gives to us outside of understanding that even goes beyond understanding because you build us through not understanding sometimes. And we thank you for that. We thank you for this holiday season, for what your son, not only his birth, but for what he did on the cross to be able to mend our relationship with you. I pray that in our moments of weakness, we would continue to come to you, that if anyone in this room needs your guidance, if they need to understand what it's like to be joyful in their sorrow because they've never felt that, I pray that they would come to you and find that, that even in their despair and in their crushed spirit, they would find your presence and they would feel your arms around them. I pray for those around the world that in this season of hope don't feel like they have hope or may not have hope because they don't have a relationship with you. Lord, you can do wonderful things. And that's what I pray you would do, not only in this room or, or in this city, around the world that you created, that you hold in your hand. Thank you for everything that you are. Thank you for this word. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.